Good morning, I'm Leslie Thatcher, 806 on this holiday Monday, February 20th, 26 degrees here in Old Town Park City, mostly cloudy skies at this point. On the phone with us now from the ABC Forecast Center meteorologist Thomas Geboy. Good morning. Morning, Leslie. Happy President's Day. We got uh, some active weather that's going to be heading our way. We've already seen a little bit of light snow around Park City, especially up in the mountains. And today we're going to hold on to at least a slight chance as we go through today as a weak system is working its way through. But we can more or less classify today as an appetizer of what is to come. So as we go through today in Park City, we'll hold on to about a 40% chance of snow through the day. I think the best chance will be during the first half of the day and not expecting much when it comes to accumulations if we're able to see that snow get down into Park City. And outside of that, we'll see partly sunny to mostly cloudy skies at the daytime high climbing to 35 degrees. Then into tonight, holding on to about a one in three chance of snow. The overnight low dropping to 30 degrees. So honestly, not that cold for this time of year in Park City. But tomorrow is where the big weather really begins. We have one of the stronger storm systems that we will have seen so far this season on the way, and that's going to start moving in by tomorrow. And basically at the end of the day, what you need to know is that from Tuesday, Tuesday night into Wednesday, snow is going to be a likelihood. And not only are we going to be talking about snow, it could be very heavy at times. We'll see a high of 35 tomorrow in Park City, but by Wednesday, that daytime high coming down to 22 degrees. And with snow being likely, we are got a we do have a winter storm warning for Park City for the Wasatch back that will go into effect at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon and will continue through five o'clock in the morning on Thursday. So this is going to be kind of a long duration event. By tomorrow afternoon, we could be talking about some pretty significant impacts on the roadways, but I'm kind of focusing what could be the worst commutes for Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. And during the duration of this winter storm morning through Wednesday night, we could pick up maybe one to two feet of snow in Park City alone with maybe over a couple of feet for our northern Utah mountains. So it's going to be one of those kinds of storm systems that if you have any plans to be out and about, you need to make sure that you plan ahead and give yourself plenty of time. By Thursday, the chance of snow is not going to be as high compared to Tuesday and Wednesday, but can't completely discount it as we're likely going to be staying in a pretty active pattern, not only to round out the work week, but to move into the upcoming weekend as well. We're going to hold on to a chance of snow into Saturday into Sunday. Daytime highs will moderate a little bit, though. So on Thursday, the daytime highs still in the middle 20s will be in the upper 20s on Friday. Then daytime highs more so in the low to mid 30s Saturday into Sunday. But, all, but the main takeaway is that from Tuesday through Wednesday, significant impacts expected from this winter storm moving in from our northwest, Leslie. Yeah, I was going to ask, the, um, as you say, it's one of our stronger storms of the winter. Usually we do best mm -hmm. here in the Park City area with those southwest flows, but that's not one of mm -hmm. these, yeah? No, so we're getting a little bit of a southerly flow today. It's just that this system has got a lot of energy attached to it, and it's got a decent amount of moisture attached with it as well. So uh, we could, even though it won't necessarily be one of those southerly flow systems, we still could do very well for the Wasatch back. Okay, Thomas, thanks so much. You're welcome. KPCW News Time now, 809. And on the phone with us now, with a look in the backcountry, we've got Nikki from the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning. So we've got a pretty strong storm on docket, like you just heard. But yesterday's new snow did improve the surface conditions significantly um, out of the wind zone and in protected terrain. You should be able to find plenty of soft snow today. Yesterday, there were multiple human triggered and natural avalanches in the backcountry. The majority of these avalanches failed as either small soft slabs or shallow, loose, dry new snow avalanches. They all failed on the old snow interface. The primarily primary problem we want to think about today is just going to be the wind drifted snow so winds picked up overnight gusts up to 70 miles per hour the high winds in combination 
with a few inches of soft snow from yesterday, will continue to form fresh slabs of wind-drifted snow along all aspects at upper elevations. This is going to lead us to have a moderate danger at those upper elevations. But what I want to talk about a little bit is the storm um, coming. Like you just heard, it's been described as pretty impressive, one of the stronger storms of the winter. Um, with the new snowfall, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Uh, yesterday, before yesterday's new snowfall, we had a wide variety of surfaces in the backcountry. There was windboard, firm sun crusts, and a little bit of lingering cold snow. Along with the variable snow surfaces, we are starting to see the snow surface becoming weak. So small grain facets were present in some areas. What will that mean for avalanche conditions? We're unsure how yesterday's snow will bond to the variety of snow surfaces. And then I'm unsure how tomorrow's storm snow will bond to that. What we do know is that there's going to be a lot of water, a lot of snow, and a lot of wind for Tuesday through Thursday. The avalanche danger is going to rise. The storm snow is going to be unstable, and we're going to start to see avalanches. So while we have this much uncertainty, it's a good time to adjust your mindset, to step back for a few days, see how the new snow reacts. And then with time, we can eliminate some of those variables of uncertainty and start to move into bigger terrain. Okay. Nikki, thanks. KPCW News Time now, 8-11. 811 now. Good morning. I'm Leslie Thatcher. It's the KPCW Local News Hour. Stay tuned. In just a few minutes, we'll be checking in with Park City Trails and Open Space Manager Heinrich Dieters reporting on some trails and open space improvements planned for the year. Youth Sports Alliance Programs Director Heather Sims with an update on some of the youth sports programs that will be offering this spring. And finally, the Director of the Snyderville Basin Recreation District, Dana Jones, in with a monthly update and an update on the strategic plan. And stay tuned. Coming up on Mountain Money right after the local news hour. Today's guests include urban sociologist John Schlickman about his new book, Showroom City, Real Estate and Resistance in the Furniture Capital of the World. Then Laura Dribben, founder and CEO of a consulting firm, highlights how organizations need to leverage partnerships with system integrators to deliver better programs. Finally, a conversation with a representative from Little India, now serving flavorsome and authentic Indian food in Heber City. All of that coming up on Mountain Money, and of course you can hear Mountain Money every Monday morning at 9 a.m. KPCW News Time now, 8.13. Good morning, I'm Leslie Thatcher. Well, the Park City Council received a trails and open space update at its meeting last Thursday and in the studio with an overview of what's being planned for the coming year. I have trails and open space manager Heinrich Dieters. Good morning. Good morning, Leslie. Let's start with the uh, rail trail improvements. The city received a half million dollar grant from the RAP, County RAP Fund to do what? So, as you may recall, or the listeners may recall, we did a year-long rail trail master plan. And what that master plan did was it included a stakeholder group and a couple of open houses and identified some improvements to the rail trail um, for council to consider. Um, At the public meeting, there was a lengthy discussion on sort of what is the rail trail? Is it, you know, some from one end of a transportation corridor to a, hey, can we just pull up all the asphalt and leave it alone and turn it back into a gravel trail? Um, Basically what council came down to was, hey, there wasn't a uh, interest in the community to widen the trail, which was one of the recommendations, but um, there was um, wide support for making some improvements. So those improvements are, excuse me, you know, benches, some kiosks. Um, there was a, a, a parallel trail that we uh, call the Wagon Trail um, that runs uh, along the trail that would be to the south of it. Um, it's possibly using that as like a off-leash area to rectify some of the on or off-leash and on-leash uh, concerns that were raised by the community. Um, but those, w- 
the, the money specifically that the county has provided, <clears throat> we are entering into the planning stage right now. So we have an RFQ out um, for a design firm to basically take the conceptual drawings to engineer drawings. Um, you know, pretty minimal. Um, most most interesting probably to me is replacing the three bridges. Leslie, you're probably familiar with the rail trail. Um, you know, the transitions from the trails onto those old bridges is, is uh, not great, uh, and, and the boarding on those uh, aren't great. So we're looking at replacing those are probably the most significant changes that we're looking at from a sort of engineering structural standpoint. Um, but making a few of those this probably late summer. Uh, and... Um, and, and, and seeing how those go and, and as well taking over the maintenance, you know, trash collection and vegetation clearing and things like that on the rail trail. Yeah, so does this still remain a state park then between Bonanza Drive and 248? Yeah, that's a great question. So it does remain a state park. What we have done, we have entered into a sort of a management agreement with state parks uh, and going all the way back numerous years. You know, what we heard from a lot of the, the people and specifically in Prospector was, you know, the level of service and maintenance, whether that be the trash collection or the asphalt uh, maintenance, et cetera, wasn't, um, how should I say it? Um, it wasn't up to the community standard, I would say. And so, um, you know, we looked at that and said, look, is there an opportunity? Remember, State Parks has numerous parks throughout the state, obviously, uh, and the rail trail goes all the way to Echo. So, you know, can we carve off a little piece and, and provide a higher level of service? And I think the residents are going to really see that they're seeing it this winter and the next summer, they're really going to see some level of service changes. All right. Um, and then you talk about the Wagon Trail. Are, are we talking about the one that's basically between Comstock and maybe Lower Iron? horse is that mm -hmm. off just off to the south not the one further east uh on the other side of wider because there's another trail that basically goes from there to uh, park city heights yeah so i think i think you can combine those two i think the interest is that you know what we heard from the community is the trail's pretty narrow uh and there's a lot of different uses all the way from e-bikes going fast to people just wanting to to walk with their dog on or off leash and obviously there there's some off leash concerns associated with some ordinances on the books um but we've been very successful in my opinion and i i would beg to say most of the community believes that the off-leash area in Round Valley has been very successful. You know, can we replicate that with that wagon trail and allow people who wish to have their dog off-leash, you know, have it off-leash in that area and then separate those uses? Yeah, and then when we get to the um, lower Iron Horse uh, apartments there, um, it crosses the, the creek there. So how do you keep that trail from going? It's, you'd have to just put it back onto the rail trail or? Yeah, so it would go back onto the rail trail and we're actually looking at another connection through that area, a possible additional bridge. But again, that's where the survey, we've done some wetland delineation work in that area, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, to see if that's even, you know, you start at conceptual, really good idea. And now we have to figure out if we can actually engineer and like and build that. But yeah, that's that's the idea. And then the section from Lower Iron Horse to Bonanza, there's only one connection there on the rail trail. So that, that would obviously not be part of that off-leash designation. Okay. And the fact that we've got that agreement with the state, does the state, it, will the state provide some funding for this, even though the city's kind of taken it upon themselves? Currently, no, no. You know, and uh, you know, what I would say is there wasn't, a, my friends at the state that I work with very often, right? There wasn't a lot of funding that was there. Um, you know, I want to say um, a year ago or so before this happened, 
you know, the the manager at that point, you know, really worked hard just to get $10,000 to do some asphalt replacement. And that, w- that was a little bit of pulling teeth, um, you know, so I am actually kudos to the legislature. I know the legislature gets a lot of um, stick, you know, at this time of the year, but there are a couple bills that are being forwarded in the state legislature right now to try to get state parks a little bit more money. Um, and that's not only for capital, but it's also for operations and maintenance. You know, the, the gentleman who runs the, the state park also runs Rockport and runs Jordanelle, as I recall, Eric does, you know, so he's got his hands full on a lot of things. So, you know, if we can take this one section and provide a higher level of service, I think, you know, let's give it a run. Let's see how it goes. I've received some really good input already from the community uh, that they're seeing that. And next summer will be a, a really good, um, you know, barometer, if you will, if that's working well. Okay. So you say the trail will not be, the rail trail will not be widened, at least for now. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's the direction um, that it won't be widened. Yeah. What about lights? Because there was some talk about lighting the trail. So the lights weren't off. You know, we kind of took that off. There wasn't broad support for that. You know, I actually see an update going back to, well, first of all, you know, we promised council that we would come back through these design contracts and and construction contracts so people can actually see, okay, this is what it's going to look like. Um, I actually foresee in two years or so coming back and being like, all right, we've made these initial improvements. Council, community, what do you think? You know, like, are we, are, we, are we in the right place or do we go too far? Um, you know, and that's just good transparency and communication with the, the community. Okay. Um, also some uh, work going to be done at the Meadows Drive and the McLeod Creek Trailheads. Uh, Meadows Drive, I know where it is. Where's the official McLeod Creek Trailhead? So McLeod, if you cross, if you're at that Meadows Drive at 224 and you basically cross to the east, there's a small pullout. It's a dirt pullout just right there off to the right. There's um, like a gas uh, pump station or something right there. It's across from Quarry Mountain. Um, but these were two areas that, you know, all the way back in like 2002 that were identified as, as possible trailhead areas. They were developed for about four cars at that time. It was just, you know, um, you know, just a dirt gravel parking lot. Obviously, see what we have seen is recreation and, and a lot. So, um, you know, Nordic skiing has really boomed uh, over the last like 20 years. And so specifically to Meadows, you know, we've been working with that HOA to try to ensure that we can get the p- cars actually off the road. So what happens in the wintertime and even during the Scarecrow Festival for the listeners who are familiar with that, you know, it gets kind of packed up, cars move out into the road. There's a lot of pedestrians moving through there and stuff like that. So, you know, how can we actually get the cars off the road so the traffic can move, the sight lines are better, et cetera, and things like that. So I think it's a great project. I think it's a great opportunity, you know, for us working hand in hand with that HOA and supportive and looking at the designs and we are entering the planning process so we've submitted a cup for um, that trailhead and the mcleod trailhead uh, and that's in the planning department right now all right so what we'll do what we'll see is just more surface area then to, to park and more level yeah about the same number of parking spaces we're not looking to like expand it a ton we're just looking to actually make it more efficient where you can pull in and then you can park off the road with sort of a drive aisle and then you can come out so that would allow for you know snow storage um, snow removal um, you know trash cans um, you know kiosks etc you know anywhere where we see these um, uses 
we want to provide the, the infrastructure that's appropriate. And then also, you know, secondly, where some of these are located in, in neighborhood areas, we also want to provide like the enforcement and the monitoring and make sure that like, you know, the overflow doesn't impact those residents. Okay. Uh, the city owns all of the property there on the east side, the McLeod Creek Trailhead area. On the Meadows Drive, however, it's within uh, Meadows Drive right away and partially on private property. So mm -hmm. are we acquiring that property? To no, we are actually working with the HOAs, identified a representative who's working with, uh, that is Lot 1, the Lot 1 owner, and we are working through that easement, you know, right now. All right. Uh, city also submitted a grant application to the Utah Outdoor Recreation. Um, this is like substantial, about $170,000. Yeah, so we are in that process right now. So the Utah Office of Outdoor Recreation, we have submitted numerous um, grants to over the years. Um, actually, this one's not that much, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, we built all of the trailheads up in Bonanza, um, a lot of trail this that grant program from the state and that's why I kind of referenced the the state legislature funding of trails and state parks previously it's been a great opportunity between the the county wrap taxes and that uh, grant process really really supportive of a lot of the new capital infrastructure that we put in there so um, you know there's matches associated with those you're never sure if you you get those but uh, trails and open space has been extremely successful in getting grants to offset you know sort of the taxpayer dollars to those so if you do get the money from this when do you find out Soon? We find out in late March. Oh. Uh, Leslie, I can't remember. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's soon enough that we will know um, what we have to do. You know, there is budget in the Trails Master Plan Fund that we can do that no matter what. You know, we've been really successful to carry that dollars, those dollars over. Uh, and every time we get a grant, then we don't have to ask uh, council for more. Yeah. So this money then would be used then for the trailhead improvements? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, exactly. uh, let's see. The city will also continue work on the wildfire mitigation and defensive space projects moving up Daly Canyon uh, into Rossi Hill and Ontario Canyon. Boy, that just the number of, of trees dying is, is awful. Are, just a, these will be the first trees then to, to come down in these areas, just some of the infected ones? Yeah, so especially the back of Daly, if you're familiar with that, we've, we've been working with a couple of residents there. So, you know, the city owns you know, almost 6,000 acres of land, you know, and I'm going to do this a little bit backwards, but, you know, the purpose for us to do the community wildfire risk assessment was to help us with a mapping uh, and community outreach so we could prioritize these areas. We can't get everywhere at once. And what you're seeing is, you know, this defensible space work, this is with a, um, with a contractor that we worked with on Treasure last year and does a lot of work in town, but there's just a handful of these contractors who have the speciality that can do it safely and stuff. So, you know, we, we did a contract last fall and just couldn't get on the schedule, right? Guys are, guys are really busy. So I have David and his team already lassoed for early spring as soon as we can get on those things to start with that work. Um, but, you know, it's driven by the planning process and then we identify those areas. And, it, you know, daily Rossi Hill, um, in Ontario, those were areas right next to some um, significant density um, and some residents who have been very vocal about their concerns. So we want to reach out to those. And, you know, without surprise, those are also ones that are showing up as prioritized in our mapping process. Okay. Um, you've got a grant, again, for the Community Wildfire Defense Grant uh, for about a million bucks. Any word on that? 
No, uh, it was supposed to come out in, in, it was actually supposed to come out in early February and now um, mid-February and, and we're hopeful in the next um, couple of weeks. You know, this is the first time the state has provided this grant. So again, money coming down from the federal government into the states, you know, for these things. You know, I'm, I'm proud and I'm proud of our community that whether it's, um, you know, this defensible space work, uh, noxious weeds. You know, Park City a lot of times is a little bit ahead of the curve. So, you know, we have our planning processes and preparedness in place so we could actually apply for these grants. Um, and I think, you know, what's really nice about this one is there's a match associated with it. So not only is, you know, money coming from the state, but there's a match. And what we did is we worked with our partners at Deer Valley and at Park City Mountain, who both do their own mitigation work on their property. And we were able to couple their work and ours in value with our value and we basically met the match for that million dollars already so if that money comes down we will we will receive it the city uh, and then we will go through our community we'll have our prioritization set up and then we will work with you know on city land and then deer valley land and park city mountain to try to provide additional work so did we ever get the uh, wood piles burned that we had done with the clearing from Treasure we Hill? did we did not we're hopeful to move forward with not only an education campaign and outreach here real soon of how important um, obviously the wildfire work is the tools that we have in in, in our toolkit as well as the methods that um, help us be the most efficient you know, again, there's a lot of land to be uh, addressed. And so we want to do it responsibly, um, but we also want to, um, you know, the, the public to understand the concerns that may be out there and how we're permitting, going through that process and moving forward notification. Okay, let's talk about new trails quickly. Uh, we've got some that are going to be built in the Park City Heights and Clark Ranch areas. Yeah, so Clark Ranch, uh, for people who don't know where that is, you know, th imagine Park City Heights, right behind Park City Heights, and then mirroring it on the other side of 40. So we have, again, some YORG money, the Office of Outdoor Recreation. We have a small section of trail we need to finish that we started last year on the west side, or I'm sorry, the east side that we're going to finish up. And then on the west side, it's really still trying to meet the developer's obligation. So the developer was obligated through Park City Heights to build four miles of trail. Um, you know, we waited on that for a significant amount of time because it was a huge construction site at that, at that point. Now a lot of residents live there, so we've slowly been building the trails where there's not construction impacts, uh, and we're hopeful to move forward with that. Um, so that's Clark and um, Park City Heights. And then one that I'm actually quite excited about right over here on Huntsman uh, in, by, the, by the Ontario um, section is the hiking trail. You know, we've been trying to put in hiking trails as much as we can to, to give people that opportunity to not have to deal with mountain bikes. All right, so that Huntsman hiking trail, basically above Rossi Hill. Kind of above America. Rossi Hill towards the lookout. So if you're familiar, kind of the lookout area is where it's going to be. Yeah, so there's always been trails, well, at least in the last 30, <laughs> 40 years. There's always been a trail back in there. Is mm -hmm. that going to be improved? I mean, do you have finally now the easement? Because that is private property. Yeah, so there are trails that go through there that have, we, we do have easements, uh, legal easements for. We, will, we have legal easements for this trail. There are a couple other ones that we do not have actual easements for, and we continue to work with that landowner, you know, to try to move forward with those. And I would say that we've been hugely successful over the years of trying to, you know, bring those into the legal component uh, and provide those. And so we'll just continue to move forward. Okay. Um, and then also more trails planned for the Bonanza Flat area. What about the, the well connector? Have we kind of reserve, resolved the location of that? So 
This was quite a discussion last year. So what I refer to as phase two is finishing the multi-use trail, which um, goes from the main Bonanza parcel all the way back to Pine Canyon with the, the interest of going back to the Bonanza flat trailhead. So sorry, that's a lot. And if you don't know the area well, you're probably like, what is this guy talking about? But so we're, council is basically approving sections as we move forward with those. And what, so what we promised the community is like, look, it, it's on a map. This is part of our planning process. We'll go out and we'll walk it with the land trust, the city and, and some concerned citizens in that area. Um, we'll take that back to council and council can approve that or deny it so they've approved you know a phase two section this next step which includes the wow connection is phase three so what we will do is when the snow melts leslie at 9,000 feet that might be a long time from now uh we'll go back up there and rick and his team at mountain trails will flag an area we'll walk up there to make sure that you know it's not impacting sort of wetlands etc with wendy and her team we'll walk it with some of those con uh, concerned citizens councilwoman Tolley walks it with us we take it back to council we have a public discussion you want to move forward you want to change it what do you want to do um and and that's uh that's that's the next steps on those okay fine i just want to ask any updates with regard to the white pine touring parking situation we're kind of under a temporary plan right this winter yeah so that parking plan should be coming back in the near future and i think whenever council has that discussion we can come back on and have that discussion of you know what that direction is okay we've got a study though ongoing is yep. that right yeah the parking study is all set it was uh you know in the packet so it's there and we're ready to have that discussion okay any idea when that might be i near future i bet march you know april sometime soon okay okay all right hi rick dieters park city trails and open space manager thanks for your time this morning thanks leslie you're listening to the local news hour here on kpcw news time now 8 32. 8.32 now. Good morning. Joining us now in the studio, I have Youth Sports Alliance Youth Programs Director Heather Sims. Good morning. Good morning. So we've got the after-school winter programming underway, and I guess it's the, the biggest ever, huh? Yep. We have had 931 kids go through the programs in January, 23% of those are scholarships. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago when uh, 930 kids was our whole entire year. So it was a very busy January. Um, we had about 665 kids go through our Lynn to ski and snowboard programs um, through uh Park City Mountain, Deer Valley, Woodward. We had freestyle skiing, freestyle snowboarding, and Nordic jumping at Olympic Park, and then of course cross country skiing. So it was a busy month. <laughs> okay, and then the other 300 or so, less than 300 kids, then they participated doing what? So we had um, tubing, we had ice skating, we had um, an, uh, art programs, we had. Um, fit stop down in Wasatch. Um, we have, uh, now that we have expanded out to Wasatch and, and Camas, um, we're open to venues that are willing to participate. And sometimes those kids already know how to ski and they want to do something completely different. Mm -hmm. But that's where you kind of the, the, the bread and butter though is the, the ski programs. It is, mm -hmm. it is. And that's what we're known for. And um, we had so many kids this year that just also really had a need too. We had our biggest number of equipment needs from scholarship students. So we, we reach out to local stores in town and beg and plead to lend us some equipment for those kids. Yeah. Um, you mentioned almost a quarter of them receiving some financial assistance. Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> we have our, for those um, families that are on the free and reduced lunch program, 
They literally pay $10 a week. It's a $50 program and we provide them with everything, the transportation to and from the resorts, the equipment, the, the everything that they possibly need. We collect clothing, um, we've got helmets, everything that they need. And then those families that are um, not on the free and reduced program but are um, have a median income of 80%, which is about $100,000, then we also offer a second tier scholarship. So that's 50% off. Otherwise, what would they be paying? So for a five-week program at Park City Mountain, it's 235 if you don't have a pass and then 210 with a pass. And that includes the transportation to and from the school, which is actually our biggest budget um, for, for it. But we find that if we don't offer transportation, um, you know, one in... Uh, uh, one in 19 of our scholarship students can't it's they just can't get there to the resort whereas if we offer uh, if we offer transportation then it's one in five of, of our, our local kids that just you know parents are working uh, we found that m more and more parents are a double income needing meaning that they're both um, working so that transportation piece is really key all right, um, you just finished up your 10th season working with Park City Mountain through the Vail Resorts Epic Promise. So how does that program support what you folks do? Thankfully, the Epic Promise, um, they provide us with um, a deeply discounted rate in terms of the um, lift passes, the um, the uh, instruction. And uh, yeah, 10, 10 years we've been working with them uh, at Canyons when it was just Canyons. And, and we also have... Um, a great program with uh, Deer Valley. We have 98 kids go through the Deer Valley program. And now with Woodward and the op opportunity of having um, kids go under the lights, we actually have one more ski program that is a Wasatch program that is coming up at the end of January. It's already sold out. Um, and that is for our Active 8 kids and it's a learn to ski program. And the problem is with Wasatch is they get out later than Park City Mountain. So they ha having their lights is, is key to be able to offer those programs. All right. I think um, Epic Promise, that's what you also run uh, the discounted lift passes through. Is that we right? Do, we right. do. So it's a fundraiser for you guys. It is. Yes. And I don't think there's any tickets left. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, you do have some programs, though, opening in March. So what are they? So we do. We have. We actually have teamed up with... Um, the uh, Ballet West to offer a classical ballet co uh, class. Um, we have some Woodward programs. We have ice skating. And then also at the end of um, April, we'll be opening up our mountain biking, which is always really popular. We work with young riders and basin recreation for that. Um, we have Athletic Republic, sailing, rowing. So some, some sports and also some... Um, lifestyle programs like theater cooking classes coming up all right uh those classes open up for registration when so some are already online for march and then the april programs will open up by the end of this month okay ysaparkcity.org yeah is there a limit to how many programs a student can actually participate in i mean could you go online and register for every one of them so yes you you could and obviously for those working parents that's really the key the uh, friday afternoons um to do a four-week program it's affordable they and they do their four weeks and then they sign up for something completely different so yes they can we try not to open too far in advance because 
uh, people forget what they've signed up for. So, so we open up usually about two months in advance. Okay, uh, let's talk about some of the postseason camps and competition schedules. You also have some funding available for that. Yes, we do. We have um, fin fin financial assistance is available through our Steiner Erickson YSA Opportunity Endowment to help athletes participate in postseason competitions or camps. Um, athletes who are members of our um, seven winter sports clubs—that's Figure Skating uh, Club of Park City, Park City Ski and Snowboard, Park City Ice Miners, Park City Speed Skating Club. Utah Olympic Park, Skeleton and Bobsled, Wasatch Lose or Wasatch Freestyle. If they've got um, clubs, uh, clubs or camps, sorry, camps or competitions coming up, um, they can um, apply for financial assistance. We have two windows available. Um, we have application period A, which is um, closes on February the 28th. So there's eight days left on that one. And then we have another application period, which is March 15th to March 31st. Um, we wanted to make two application periods so that everybody can have a chance to apply. Okay. How much, any idea how much money you got to distribute? I, I, I do not. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Anything else you want to mention? Um, well, if they do want to apply for those um, spring scholarships, again, uh, please go to our YSAParkCity.org and hit the scholarship button, and then they will find the application right there. Okay. Heather, thanks so much. Thank you. Heather Sims is the program director for Youth Sports Alliance. You're listening to the local news hour here on KPCW, news time now, 840. Well, Park City Attorney Joe Rona appeared in court virtually on Friday to enter a plea of not guilty to his first-degree felony rape charge in Judge Mrazek's 3rd District courtroom on Friday. Rona wasn't physically in court. He appeared before Mrazek virtually. The court appearance was originally scheduled to be a preliminary hearing, which Utah law gives defendants the right to require if they choose. The Summit County Attorney's Office and Rona's attorney, Greg Scordis, both said last week they were preparing for the preliminary hearing after Rona formally heard the charge against him read by Judge Morazic Friday. He entered his plea, waived his right to a preliminary hearing, then Scordis requested a pretrial conference. That was set for Friday, March 3rd, and will be conducted remotely. Pretrial conferences happen between attorneys for both sides and don't involve a judge. They're used as an attempt to negotiate deals like plea bargains and to settle cases before they go to trial. If Scordis and prosecutors aren't successful in reaching a deal, the case will proceed to trial. Prosecuting attorneys Friday declined to comment after the arraignment. In a statement to KPCW, Rona's attorney Greg Scordis wrote, quote, it has taken quite a while for us to get the police reports and evidence. We are satisfied that the state has now provided everything they have. We anticipate scheduling a trial for sometime this summer, maybe July or August. We believe that once a jury sees and hears all of the evidence we have, Mr. Runner will be exonerated, end quote. Runner's charge stems from his alleged rape of his adult biological daughter last year. KPCW doesn't name the victims of sexual violence without their consent. The alleged victim lives out of state and did not attend Friday's arraignment. KPCW News Time now, 842. 8.43 now, good morning. We'll in the studio with an update from Basin Recreation. I have District Director Dana Jones. Good morning. Good morning, Leslie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's start with an update on the strategic plan. As you've told us before, there's actually about three parts to this. There is. We are doing um, three kind of plans that are 
kind of guide us going forward. And, you know, one of them is a 10-year strategic plan, a master plan. See where is basin recreation going to go? You know, what are what are our goals? What's our vision? Um, and then we're also doing a, uh, like a five-year trails and open space um, plan, which is also going to help us with things like trailheads and, you know, what trails we're going to build and how we're going to maintain the one that we have. And the third one is a development plan for the 100 acres that Basin Recreation owns next to Silver Creek Village. And I, it was interesting. I got an um, email this weekend <clears throat> from somebody saying, where is that? And so uh, it, it is, just for the listeners that don't know, um, we do own a 100-acre swath of land right between the intersections of 80 and 40. So it's the, that empty swath of land. If, if uh, your listeners have been over there, there's actually a trail that runs through it, um, a paved trail that runs through it. But all of that land is owned by Basin Recreation, and it is our goal to see what it is that the community would like us to do with that. Yeah, so where are we then? I mean, are these plans completed or are, they, are you still developing them? Definitely not completed. We're, I, I would have to say about halfway through. So our... Um, SE Group is our contractor that's working on the the planning process with us, and they have been awesome. I mean, we have had uh, uh, several, I would say, five or six focus group meetings. We've had meetings with our stakeholders. We've had open houses. Um, They've taken themselves out to some of our trailheads and talked to people. But I just wanted to let everybody know, you know, a big one where they're going to be, you know, showing the public some of the ideas that they have. So this is kind of like the, you know, throw everything at the the board and, and see how the public feels about it. Is, um, is going to be on March 2nd. And we're, we have two options, just in case people, you know, people might not want to go out in public or, or might, might be busy on the evening of March 2nd. So we're, we are having a virtual brown bag session. So that will be via um, Zoom, and that is at 12 o'clock on March 2nd. If people want to do that, they just go to the website and they can register for that and, and just zoom in and hear what the, what the SE group is, is talking about. But we are also having an in-person one. It's, it's a drop-in one. You don't have to show up for the whole thing. But it's between 6 and 8 p.m. on March 2nd at the Fieldhouse. So they're in the in the um, entrance area of the field house. They're going to be setting up everything from, you know, pictures and ideas and, and really get the public's input. So is this just for the Silver Creek plan or is this something um, with the 10-year the strategic plan and the trails and open space plan as well? You know, the focus is going to be on the Silver Creek development plan, but this is also a time for you to get your ideas on on anything that they're working on because we, we really want to hear from the public. You know, it's not going to be up to us to to make all the decisions on this one. Um, we are really encouraging um, Basin Recreation staff to engage in it because they know a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, but we, you know, we need everybody to, to really jump in on this one. Yeah, any idea when construction would start with regard to Silver Creek? That's a good question. Um, a lot of that's going to be once we decide what it is we're going to do with it because it's very possible, you know, I'm, uh, if the public says they want, you know, full build-out fields, uh, you know, possibly another facility of some type, then it's probably going to need to be bonded. So in that case, um, my my thought is probably five years. Okay. Um, and in terms of a bond, I mean, that would be 
couple of years off then? You'd that, have to do that first. Yes, or, mm-hmm. yes. We would, if, especially if, if the public wants something, you know, something big, you know, something something smaller, we could we could definitely start work on. And I, you know, I would almost see it even phased. If, if we could, there's a few things we could get in there. And then, you know, if, if it's a bigger project and it needs to be bonded. I, I, you know, I literally like something that Heinrich said this morning on the air. He said, start at conceptual. And that's actually where we're at right now. We're, we really need some concepts so we can know where we're going to go forward. A lot of residents already living in Silver Creek Village. I mean, do they have any access to any recreation out there now? You know, there is the trail that goes through our the, our property. We have a paved trail, very, very well used paved trail. So they have access to that. And they also, I mean, obviously have access to everything that, that um, Basin Recreation and Park City Recreation and and uh, mountain trails. They have everything that, that all the partners provide in the area. Um, but that... But currently, that 100 acres, the only thing it has on it right now is that paved trail that runs through the middle of it. Okay. Uh, trails update. You manage already more than 170 miles of trails, including the paved, the soft surface, and natural surface. So are we talking about more? You know, um, our the trails and open space plan will kind of help us look at that. But right now, I think our focus is on, you know, maintaining what we have and keeping what we have good for the public. We do have <clears throat> a closure that's going to be coming up. The Silver Creek um, Village Perimeter Trail is going to be closed because of some construction there, that, that they're doing out there. And, I mean, it's it's obvious how important trails are to the community. I mean, every morning you guys do a, a trails report, and it's a, that's a great collaboration between, you know, Wasatch Trails, Mountain Trails, and, and Basin to let the public know what the, what the trails look like, what the grooming report is. And I think that... The public's heard a lot this year of, you know, uh, our trails crews are really busy. Um, our machines are breaking down because the, the just the demand on them this year is so much more than it's been. I think uh, from what I hear, the last 10 to 15 years, we haven't seen this much uh, weather and snow. So our crews are, they're out there, they're doing it. <laughs> we're fixing machines when we can, but um, uh, just like the other organizations, we're, we're, uh, a little behind the eight ball at times, but we are getting just a tremendous amount of support from the public and just kudos every day um, talking about how what a great job that, w- that we're doing. All right, so the Silver Creek Village Perimeter Trail, you said it'll be closed. When will that happen? I believe that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Um, I have briefly reported on the uh, Park City uh, Mountain Trails Foundation Basin Map Project. And basically, this would be providing some real time updates it's going to be awesome so <laughs> my opinion but um so the currently it, the public can go to mountain trails foundation site and click on their map and they'll see a map which also includes basin trails but oftentimes only the mountain trails ones are updated and the basin ones aren't because you can go to basin site and click on and get a total different map same trails obviously so we have we're partnering all together and we're going to be creating one virtual trail site that the public can go to and they'll be able to go to either one um, mountain trails basin uh, park city click on a link get to this one map where it will be um, each of the organizations will have access to that map will be updating that map but not only that it's going to you'll be able to click on a trail and you'll be able to see information about that trail you'll know maybe what the 
the difficulty is, what the regulations are. Can you ride bikes on it? Can you not ride bikes on it? Can you ride e-bikes on it? Is it a hiking only? Um, and then I was meeting with uh, Carolyn Rodriguez from um, High Valley Transit last week. And we're going to actually look at being able to put, you know, something like, you know, this trailhead can get busy. Here's an alternate way to get to the trailhead and, and list some information about that, maybe a link to their um, their app for, for their uh, microtransit. So it's really, you know, bringing everybody together and giving giving the, the, our public one place to go to get all their information. So when's this going to be finished? Oh, that's a good question. We are currently working on it. I would anticipate within the next few months the public's going to be able to access it. Okay. Um, what are you seeing out at the field house during the, the, the snowy winter? Oh, my goodness. Um, it is pretty crazy busy there. Uh, we have, the, I mean, the field is uh, our indoor full-size field, which is the only one in the area, is, is programmed constantly with things going on. Well, uh, we currently have some w- winter break camp going on, so there's going to be kids running everywhere. Um, our our pick- friends at Pickleball are in there playing um, almost every day, it seems like now, but we also have, you know, drop-in soccer and basketball, and just the folks that are in there working out. We have, um, I think it's about 70 classes a week of fitness classes so you can come in and do everything from yoga to um to trx and and uh, it's it's just really just to see the numbers of people using it is has just been amazing so we're really you know we're trying to manage that we're trying to keep our staff um uh, upbeat as to everything that's going on we have um, increased the number of staff that we have at the front desk just to make sure that all of our public is served and and everybody can you know get in and out and and understand what's going on. Yeah, can you put any numbers on it in terms of that increased use? We can't at this time. It's it's really interesting. We we've we've tried to to track usage. I mean, we could track people that scan in, but not everybody scans in if they're coming in for a program. We've tried putting um, people counters at the door, but if you go in and out 3 times, then it counts you 3 times and it counts you when you go in and out. So we're really one thing we're looking at this year is uh, we have some funding set aside to redo the whole entrance area in the field house. And so, so the f- traffic flow will be better, and then hopefully we'll be able to better catch um, our numbers coming in and out of the field house. Yeah, so do you cap the number of, of passes and stuff that you sell? or We do not. We, um, we haven't seen a need for that so far. Um, it, it, and I think it's just because we have so many different uses. So there's a lot of people there, but they're all doing different things. So I don't think there's any one thing that's overused, except for maybe the, the um, desire for more indoor field space in the wintertime. All right. Um, gearing up then for your spring and summer recreation programs, just registration at this point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Go online. We have um, uh, one of the things I wanted to, to put in a plug for is we have a, a a lifeguard course coming up in March. So you can come in and train to be a lifeguard. And then we will have some, we'll have a lot of uh, positions open for lifeguards. And I know um, probably Eckers got lifeguard positions. And I know they also have a, a lifeguard course coming up. So, you know, if you're looking for something to do this summer part-time, come and take our lifeguard course and come and hang out at our pool. We have pickleball clinics, flag football, dodgeball this year. So come on in and uh, play a adult dodgeball. I'm not quite sure how that's going to go, but we will see. Hopefully softballs, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> basketball. So there's just um, a lot of recreation programs. The The summer recreation is going to be starting, not starting till April. So when I come back in uh, March, I'll be able to give you an update on that. Okay. And you're also looking for volunteers to do what? 
You know, this year we're going to have a couple of kind of one-day events scheduled in our for with our trails and open space crews. So there'll be a lot of opportunity to come out for one-day events. But the other thing that we're looking at doing is we are looking at really kind of developing a robust volunteer program. So maybe having uh, volunteers that are year-round volunteers that help us with a variety of things from recreation to trail patrol. Um, and that's so that's something we're, we're anticipating being able to, to develop this year and really kind of uh, having fun with that one. Okay. Anything else you want people to know? Uh, just have fun out there. It's, I think we're going to get a, a lot of snow in the next couple of days. So um, uh, just I, I think the, the biggest thing would just be, you know, be nice to our crew. There are a lot of them, you know, everything from the, the crew working outside to the, the staff at the field house. They're, they're taking a lot this winter. So um, just give them a smile and a thank you, and I, and I know they'll appreciate it. Okay. Dana, thanks. Thanks. Dana Jones is the executive director of the Basin Recreation. You're listening to the local news hour here on KPCW News Time Now, 856.